Hi there, and welcome to the Crypto Frontier. I'm Jonathan Miller, Managing Director of Kraken Australia, and I'm glad you could join me out here on the Crypto Frontier. On this show, you'll hear from the industry's best and brightest about the latest news in crypto markets and industry from Australia and around the world. Tune in fortnightly to gather the latest insights and data to power your trading. Whether you haven't yet bought your first Bitcoin or want to better understand the latest DeFi token, this show will explore the latest in market data trends and go behind the scenes to explore the technology that powers the future of finance. Okay, let's jump into this week's news. So Bitcoin and other crypto markets have been on a wild ride with the whole sector seeing huge amounts of investment over the last couple of months. Bitcoin is up over 400% since this time last year, but it's not always super smooth sailing with a pullback of about 15% in just the last few days. But that being said, December 2020 was the best month for Bitcoin since 2019 in May, and a movement upward of 40% occurred over that month. So if you want to read more in-depth analysis of this kind of volatility and trends, I recommend you sign up for Kraken Intelligence Newsletter, and the link will be in the show notes. Some other news, the Office of the Comptroller, a US federal banking regulator, has recently clarified its position on stablecoins, allowing banks to conduct payments using stablecoins and other such instruments. We spoke about the role of banks in the crypto space in our first episode, and this is a really interesting development to that story. Now, art on the blockchain is seeing increased adoption as well, with over 8.2 million USD of sales on CryptoArt.io in December. Now, this type of asset is commonly known as an NFT, a non-fungible token, and it's an area that we plan to cover in much more detail in a forthcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. Coordinating innovation is most certainly more an art than a science, and today we look at the role of government in blockchain innovation in Australia. The following is a conversation I recorded in December 2020 with Chloe White. She's the National Blockchain Roadmap Lead from the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. Chloe, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me along. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the National Blockchain Roadmap. Yes, so the roadmap is a very exciting uh, document. If you if you want to look at just the the printed version of it, it does cover off on some exciting applications of blockchain in an Australian context. So what that means is it looks at the opportunities for different sectors in the Australian economy where Australia already has existing strengths. And it explores what could happen if you take those sectors where we already perform and have big export markets and you layer blockchain as an emerging technology on top of those sectors. So it's a five-year roadmap. But what it really is, is it's a common language for government, research and academia, startups, enterprise, everybody who's interested in the blockchain space to come and collaborate. And it really is a genuinely collaborative exercise. We've had dozens and dozens of people from academia, industry and so forth who've come and put their hands up to get involved in various activities And uh, we're really learning a lot through the process so far. It was launched in February this year. So we're still in the early stages of setting up that architecture. 
but there's been a lot happening. The the roadmap has 12 signposts or action items, uh, and we have so far enacted seven of those 12 signposts. So we've really hit the ground running with this one. Okay, cool. I, what I'd really like to hear is a little bit more specifically about some of those, uh, I, I guess, collaborations that have begun uh, or, or some of the engagement that you've had so far. Could you tell me about, say, one or two of the of the standout things that have happened with the roadmap to date? Absolutely. For me, I think one of the most exciting things that we've done is we've set up industry-led working groups. And because the roadmap was launched just prior to COVID and, and the March lockdown, we saw the way that the government responded to COVID and the priorities that they have set, which are things around digital economy, reducing regulatory burden, cybersecurity, and we decided to be quite ambitious and actually launch four working groups at once. So those working groups are looking at supply chains and credentialing, which were two use cases that were highlighted in the roadmap when it was published. And we've also got working groups on cybersecurity and RegTech, uh, blockchain as an enabling technology for reducing the cost of compliance. So those working groups are really uh, the, the main sort of channel to funnel feedback through to the steering committee, which is chaired um, by, by government, but which includes people from the private sector and the research sector. And those working groups will be making recommendations to that steering committee, basically going into more detail, going beyond the published version of the roadmap to uncover what those opportunities look like in a bit more detail. And also, are there any barriers that need to be overcome to leverage that opportunity? And some of those barriers might be technical. Uh, they might be to do with general awareness and blockchain literacy, and they also might be regulatory barriers where there's a role for government to assist in providing that enabling environment for industry sectors to adopt blockchain where it makes sense for them to use that technology. We put out an expression of interest process mid-2020 to attract volunteers for those working groups and we were overwhelmed with the response. We had hundreds of applications from really diverse groups of people and very high quality applications. And it was really pleasing to be able to provide some recommendations to the chairs of those working groups and talk with those chairs around how to get the right mix of skills, experience and diversity into each of those four working groups. And the chairs are now off and running. They've been doing consultations right across industry and different sectors. Um, they are preparing those discovery reports um, and they'll be submitting those discovery reports in the first half of 2021. So that was an enormous highlight. Getting four working groups up and running was quite ambitious, but I'm really pleased that we've done it. I think another quite obvious highlight from the first year of the roadmap 
was seeing the Prime Minister announce in the October budget that $6.9 million has been allocated for two pilots where regulators and industry will collaborate to explore blockchain for supply chains and reg tech. And the pilots will be going live in 2021 and they will be contributing to blockchain literacy and other objectives of the blockchain roadmap. So they won't be like the types of pilots and proofs of concept that you've seen before. They will go a bit further than that. They will be producing production-grade technology in partnership with multiple stakeholders, and I think everybody is going to really learn a lot from those pilots. Okay. So you used the word uh, opportunity when you were describing blockchain in Australia just, just previously. I'll just quote the, the roadmap document as it currently stands um, it mentions that um, blockchain technology is predicted to generate an annual business value of over us 175 billion dollars by 2025 and in excess of 3 trillion by 2030 you know w- what are some of the key drivers for this potential growth do you think and and which of these areas do you think are closest to some form of serious adoption in australia It's a great question and and I think the way that this is approached in the roadmap is by looking at areas where Australia already has existing strengths. How can we leverage areas where we are already innovators and have expertise globally and looking for synergies or some kind of multiplier effect, um, bringing blockchain to a whole industry and looking at it across a value chain. I think blockchain is much more interesting when you look at it in the context of a network or an ecosystem. And I think that's why the supply chain's use case gets so much attention because people can visualise that value chain and the different types of participants involved in a supply chain who may be able to benefit from digitizing their process, sharing data in a more transparent way, but still in a way that is secure and is trusted. And and I think that those types of applications uh, have certainly gotten the most attention to date, but the finance sector is another one where blockchain has been incredibly popular. And we see that blockchain is already being used for payment applications and there is a lot of interest in what else can be done in that space. In an Australian context, I think there's a there's a broader story around the digitization of our sectors and the evolution towards a digital economy. And this is clearly a major priority for the government. And I think that blockchain's role in a digital economy in Australia is still probably not very clear to to most people. And so part of what we're trying to do with the roadmap is to understand what are the best uses of blockchain in a digital economy and how do we educate people and spread that message around those best use cases. I think that what we're not trying to do is to say, 
put everything on a blockchain or use blockchain all the time. It's a fit-for-purpose technology that makes sense in certain contexts and it won't be the best solution every time. But the fact that people are so curious about blockchain and wanting to find those applications tells me that there is a strong continued interest in wanting to understand the technology and wanting to build that blockchain literacy. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of experimentation and people in the industry will learn from each other and we'll see what works and also what doesn't work. And we'll keep fine tuning that process of uncovering where is the best value add in, a, in an ecosystem or a network or a value chain. You must, and, and look, in my experience dealing with with anyone when it comes to blockchain and, and crypto in general, uh, you know, I, I encounter skeptics. I had a great conversation yesterday with someone who, who was still kind of concerned about about crypto because he can't he can't hold it per se. You know, these kinds of I guess skeptical barriers that some, some are founded in in rational thought, some are founded in 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 just I guess intuition. Tell me, do you get and do you face skepticism? Uh, in your engagements uh, and from from the government in general, how's your experience been? Absolutely, there is a lot of skepticism, and I think that that is to be expected. A lot of the skepticism is quite well founded, if not a healthy thing. And for me, as a policy officer, where one of my key responsibilities is to advise government on how the technology and the industry is evolving. It's incumbent on me to be one of those sceptics, and I do consider myself a blockchain sceptic. There are a lot of uses of this technology that are probably not an optimal use of capital or skills or resources, and we've seen that play out with different fads in the industry that have come and gone. I think what is a shame about all of that skepticism following a lot of hype in years past is that people then have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater and they don't look for where there is genuine exciting innovation happening and they they miss the real value that is there and so I think it requires a lot of patience to be someone who really understands this technology and considering how quickly the, the blockchain ecosystem is evolving, there's a lot of dedication involved in maintaining that patient outlook and being willing to sort through the good from the bad and, and go on that journey. So, yes, I, th- I think we can continue to expect to have those types of conversations with people who may have written blockchain off some years ago and and may not yet be ready to look at it with fresh eyes. Look, you mentioned uh, finance before as an area where there's, you know, obvious application and and to a certain extent, you know, the horse is bolting on on finance and blockchain. And and what, you know, engagement have you had, if any, with uh, through the working groups or otherwise with, with regulators in in Australia? Because there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between the idea of blockchain and the idea of crypto, uh, and especially with things like, I mean, quite quite recently, the RBA looking at um, 
experiments for wholesale um, digital currency, Australian dollar digital currency, with um, with the kind of explosion in um, decentralized finance as well. The protocols that are you know being being written by Australian developers as well. Um, there, there, there's a whole world of financial products kind of being innovated on using blockchain fundamentally. Does does your roadmap and do your working groups um, deal with this area in any detail? Great questions. And yes, in the roadmap, you'll see that the very first signpost says that the roadmap steering committee will maintain close relationships with other parts of government, including those types of agencies and regulators that you're referring to. And we do have close ongoing discussions with financial market agencies and regulators. For example, um, the Council of Financial Regulators has a DLT working group and that working group meets regularly to talk about developments in the industry, different trends and, and policy issues as they arise. And, and so I am a representative on that working group. And um, so that's one example of a regular forum where we are coming together and collaborating. We also regularly have those agencies come and participate in roadmap activities. So, for example, some of those regulators are observers on our working groups. And so they are hearing the discussions that industry is having about these issues. And a lot of the working group discussions do go into other areas, um, such as the payment aspect or the cryptocurrency aspect of a blockchain solution. So these, these are all cross-cutting issues and we're not approaching this in a siloed way. We recognise that these are all interlinked and we, our role as the, the people driving the implementation of the roadmap is to make sure that all of these discussions are linked up and the right people are in the right rooms. I think that a few years ago, there was definitely a strong theme coming through of blockchain, not Bitcoin. And one of the things that I have tried to do in my role to date is to bring Bitcoin back front and centre in the conversation. And the reason why I think that's an important thing to do is because there's so much that can be learned from Bitcoin as the first blockchain, the original use case, uh, and it's such a successful network. It's one of the most successful open source projects probably of all time the amount of value that's been sucked into that network and the decentralised way in which it operates is really worth studying. And the advice that I always give to people looking to understand this space is whether you're on the crypto side or other applications of blockchain that are more enterprise, start with Bitcoin because if you can get across that, you'll have a baseline and a framework to start to evaluate other use cases and applications. So that's the starting point for me. And one other thing that I've learned from working with the blockchain industry and including the, the crypto side in the last few years is that there's not necessarily a very strong understanding on the industry side of how to engage with regulators and government. 
I learned from leading the government's review into initial coin offerings that there are a lot of really passionate people in this space and they don't necessarily have any experience in engaging in policy processes. So reaching out and making contact with regulators is something that you can actually do. And I would encourage people who want to make their voice heard to connect with the working groups, connect with regulators. There's lots of different ways that you can inject yourself into these discussions. That's great advice. And uh, I, I think, you know, with our experience engaging with, with regulators, it's, it's definitely something that a maturing industry you know, needs to consider. Uh, and and is positive, you know, net positive usually for all. So I really appreciate that sentiment. What, one last question for you today, Chloe, and, and thanks once again for for giving me your time. You know, looking ahead, you mentioned that there are some you know responses and re- uh, reports due in in the first half of of 2021. But can you can you cast your eye on the future? Um, and you know, 2021 is around the corner. Uh, uh, what what do you see happening in 2021 for blockchain and, and the roadmap in general as we hit hit 2022? What would you like to see uh, being achieved? I think 2021 is going to be a huge year for everybody in this industry. We're going to have all four of our working groups deliver their discovery reports And one of the important decisions that will need to be made in the first half of the year is what are the next steps for those use cases? Uh, What do we do in terms of other working groups? Um, Will we set up additional working groups on other topics? Um, You know, and I think as well, having these pilots stand up and start to operate will be really important. And by the time we get to 2022, I would hope that there would be some quite insightful lessons coming out of those exercises. And there is going to be, I think, a lot of change in the technology and the industry and the trends that has always been the case in blockchain, and I expect it will continue to be the case. And so while there is still all of this experimentation and innovation happening, one thing that is really important is that the roadmap continues to be seen as a living document and as a policy framework that is implemented in a very flexible way. And I think the government has shown this year that it can be agile and respond quickly to shocks. And one thing that I always remind people when we're doing this work is that blockchain technology is not something that you can really plan too far in in advance around because of the pace of change. And not only the change to the types of protocols and use cases that are being explored, but our collective understanding of what the technology is good for continues to change. So I think we're going to see an acceleration in that. And I think that from my perspective, my job is to continue to be very flexible and make sure that we're adapting the way that we implement the roadmap according to to those real world changes because ultimately the the innovation that results in gains to productivity and and gains to the economy is always going to be market driven it is not 
for me to determine who will be the winners. What my role is, is to make sure that there is that flow of information happening so that we can have that enabling environment and overcome those misunderstandings and educate people in and outside of government as we need to. I couldn't agree more. And Chloe, I really appreciate your time once again. Thank you for telling us about the National Blockchain Roadmap and, and we'll have to touch base, you know, perhaps in 12 months' time uh, to, see, to see where it's gone. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller and this has been The Crypto Frontier. Thank you.